0: I'm Ezra Fieldsmeyer.
1: And I'm Casey Cantrell.
0: And welcome to Animation and Beyond.
1: Yes, and on this episode, what are we talking about, Ez?
0: Arrogant villains. Villains who are kind of arrogant and cocky and pompous and very full of themselves and not very bright, who are later revealed to be the rivals of the main characters.
1: Yeah, so we'll be getting to a few examples of that in a second, but for now... Let's do a segment we haven't done in a while called "Famous Voices." Well, here's another nice mess you've gotten me into. Houston, we have a problem. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Forget it, Jake. It's
0: Chinatown.
1: There's no place like
0: home. Sawyer, you're going out a youngster, but you've got to come back a star. Seriously. That was some pretty darn nice racing out there. Fight me! <laughs> Welcome to the checker, baby! Piston cup? It's mine, dude. Yeah, it's mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, fellas. How do you think I'd look in Dynaco Blue? Dynaco Blue! This character, is who's the villain of the first Cars movie, is named Chick Hicks. He likes cheating and coming in second and likes doing dirty tricks and never played fairly. And he acted in a very sim- kind of a similar way to Randall Boggs from Monsters, Inc. Because he liked cheating and he was a r- came in second and only cared about winning, just like Randall. Only he was not nearly as bad as Randall, but still pretty obnoxious. And who was he played by? Michael Keaton. He was also in Toy Story 3 as Ken and also Walter in Minions, but he's famous for things like Birdman, Um the Batman film from the nineties, Beetlejuice and other things.
1: Okay. So that was the famous voice for this segment. Let's go ahead and answer last week's trivia question, which was which film or films, rather, did the iconic castles at Disneyland and Disney World appear in?
0: The castle from Disneyland is originally from Sleeping Beauty. And the castle at Disney World is originally from Cinderella.
1: Yeah. And any other fun facts about those castles, As
0: The Sleeping Beauty castle is not as big as you think it is.
1: Do you mean in the movie or in at... Uh...
0: At Disneyland, it's not as big as you think it is. Why is that? Because it just looks big, but it actually has an inside part.
1: Oh, you mean in the sense that, like... It's it's just kind of a facade. It's There's not actually an inside part of the castle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that was the answer to last week's trivia question. Stick around to the end of this episode for a new trivia question. For now, let's get to our feature presentation. So, Ezra, what... Who is the first villain that we're talking about today?
0: Gaston from Beauty and the Beast.
1: Yeah, and I think when people think of arrogant villains from animated films, he's definitely one of the first that comes to mind.
0: Yeah, I see what you're saying. He has a crush on Belle and he likes Belle and wants to marry her, but bell literally because of how stupid he is has no interest in marrying him
1: and he's of the arrogant villains that we're talking about for this episode he's the one only one that has a song just dedicated to celebrating how macho and manly he is
0: no one no one's quick as Gaston, no one's next as incredibly thick as Gaston, for there's no man in town half as manly.
1: But it it comes off as very silly, right? It's the when everyone sings no one's like Gaston, right? And
0: also his hilarious sidekick, LeHou. He was really funny.
1: Yes, but he he kind of serves up as a contrast to Gaston because he's very short and awkward and, you know, where Gaston is very good looking, his sidekick is
0: not. I know. And I consider him one of Disney's funniest villain henchmen.
1: Yeah, but I think it also serves to show just how arrogant Gaston is.
0: And pretty evil, too.
1: (laughs) Oh, no doubt about that. He definitely... He he's scheming throughout the film to get people killed, to kill the beast in order to take Belle for himself.
0: Yeah, he's selfish too.
1: He's not a good guy nope. <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. But what's unique about his arrogance?
0: He likes showing his biceps <laughs> and strong yeah. muscles. Yeah. Showing his even his hunting he likes to brag about. With guns and weapons.
1: But I I think, you know, there's that saying, pride comes before the fall, right? So in what ways does Gaston's arrogance contribute to his ultimate demise in the film?
0: In the film, like, he's still not giving up. He said the beast after the beast tells, tells Gaston never to come back. He still tries, attempts to kill the beast, and the beast gets wounded. And then that's the rain during the climax and then that's slippery and then that causes him to fall to his untimely end which I think is
1: important because it's not that he's being overpowered or anything it's that he just you know he's too blinded by his his quest to be the most powerful one to be the one that Bell loves or or not even loves he just he just wants her because she's cute
0: i know because of her beauty and her name bell is french for beauty
1: right but earlier in the film he even makes a dismissive remark about how bell reads and in that scene at the end when he slips off the roof and falls to his death it's kind of almost an anticlimactic way for him to go because for the entirety of the film he's been promoting himself as this big strong manly man and to have him be defeated by slipping, basically, I think mm-hmm. it's it's almost fitting in a way because it's like to be taken down by something so simple and almost comical is really a, just shows that like he's just so full of himself that he can't even see the danger he's placing himself in.
0: I know, I know. Like the beast is kind of mean at first, but he has a heart. Gaston was pretty stupid and a pretty much a jerk like the prince who became a beast was at the start which he later learned of find true love in return to break the spell
1: that's that's a great point i think there's meant to be a contrast between those two characters right where at first at least gaston and the beast are very similar they're both arrogant self-obsessed and for the beast he's in some senses, had his own fall already, where he was turned into the beast.
0: Like as a prince, he had what his heart desired. He didn't care about anybody but himself.
1: Right, so he had to learn how to not be so self-absorbed and to actually love somebody else and care for somebody else and be selfless.
0: As an enchantress, for his, as his punishment, he got became a beast because he was too selfish.
1: Exactly. And that's a lesson that Gaston never learns. And not because he's not given the chance, but because he refuses to learn that lesson. He refuses to change.
0: And the pr- the beast, who was actually a prince, later learned that. And when he fell in love with Belle and when he got love in return, which ended up having the spell being broken.
1: Yeah, exactly. OK, so, yeah, I think Gaston's a great example of showing the follies of arrogance um, and how it can lead to your demise. Let's talk about another (laughs) good-looking guy that turns out to be a villain, Prince Charming from the Shrek franchise.
0: Yeah, the second and third films. He first appeared in the second movie when he goes on a quest. He also acts as the narrator to try to find Fiona, but only to find out, which is the really funny part that the Big Bad Wolf, one of the supporting characters from those movies, was was where Fiona was. And he tells Prince Charming that he's too late. Fiona's already on her honeymoon with an ogre.
1: And what? how does he turn out to be the villain in the movies?
0: In the second film, it is revealed that he's Fairy Godmother's son, I remember. And Fairy God, that uh, doesn't, Like Shrek fell in love with Fiona and got married and she doesn't think it Should have happened in the first place, because it was never meant to be that way in the first place.
1: Yeah, Prince Charming sort of operates in the second film more as the puppet of the fairy godmother, of his mom.
0: So at first he's more stupid, but it's revealed in the third movie that he's evil.
1: Right. And how is it revealed in the third movie that he is the villain?
0: He just wants to get his revenge and take over... Far, far away, and he teams up with villains from the Poison Apple to get his revenge. He also despised Shrek as well.
1: And ultimately, what was his demise?
0: During a play at in the third film, Artie speaks up, Artie King Arthur from the third movie, but he tells all the villains to maybe who shouldn't be evil forever, maybe be good guys. And then they turn their backs on Charming. It hasn't been confirmed whether he actually died or not, but he crashed underneath the stage. But it hasn't been fully confirmed if he actually died or not, or if he survived.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a case of, obviously, Prince Charming. It's the Shrek franchise plays off of fantasy and fairy tale tropes, and Prince Charming is, well, Prince Charming. He's the good-looking prince that gets the girl in the end. And I think... His biggest trait is the sense of entitlement that he carries. He's supposed to be the one who ends up with the happy ever after ending.
0: I know, but he's the one who was a jerk and was pretty
1: stupid. So he he sort of goes about everything with this this expectation that he alone deserves these things. And he doesn't respect that, you know, Shrek and Fiona are in love and that they deserve each other.
0: I know just because. They're ogres and with green skin doesn't mean things like that shouldn't happen.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. So I think that's a valuable lesson that in that way, that's the that's the toll his arrogance takes is that he can't get over this feeling that he has been wronged, even when he actually hasn't been wronged in any way. No one's actually done him any harm at any point in any of these films.
0: He only he's only he's just jealous because someone else took his what he wanted in the first place and he's just full of envy
1: yeah exactly
0: also like Farquaad from the first Shrek movie was pretty arrogant as we remember that's true
1: I I mean we have talked about him a lot more in previous episodes and he's another good example of well he's the king so of course he's the one who gets the princess despite the fact that he didn't actually do anything you know he sent Shrek on the quest and it's again, a similar sense of entitlement that as the king, he deserves this, regardless of what he's actually done to win over Fiona, which is nothing.
0: <laughs> he only wanted to be king, that's all he cared about.
1: Yeah, well, to, to get away from Disney for, for a second and from princes and kings and all that business, let's talk about the villain from Robots.
0: Yes, which was Blue Sky Studios' second movie, which many people regard as the A Bug's Life of Blue Sky Studios because it was the second movie they did. It's kind of underrated. The main character's blue and is also an inventor like Flick. It's also similar in manner to better-known movies Pixar made like Monsters Incorporated or Cars because it has creatures or objects living in their own world being like people.
1: Uh Uh-huh. And who is the villain?
0: One of the two main villains of that film was... Phineas T. Ratchet, who was a greedy businessman, who was also the head of Big Weld Industries, that fictional company from that movie. Very full of himself, he likes to brag about his shiny metal clothing-like thing he wears called Upgrades. And he just wants to make money, I know. And since Big Weld, who was Rodney, the main character's hero, went into hiding, he took over. And when he announced something unveiled Upgrades, he just... Did an evil decision of discontinuing spare parts.
1: Right, because there's a there's a class distinction in the film between the main characters, the protagonists, who are these robots who are kind of uh, makeshift. They've been repairing themselves with s- scrap parts. They're not. They don't look as
0: sleek. The term they're called is outmodes, meaning they're they can't repair themselves no matter how hard they try. They're obsolete. Who, I, who one of them was Fender, voiced by the late Robin Williams, who I thought was the real, the red one, who was really really funny. I remember.
1: Right. Yeah. So you have that distinction with the quote unquote obsolete characters and the quote unquote new models, or the or the characters who looked sleek, looked fully functioning, were fully functioning, and yeah, there's this um this distinction about how Ratchet wants to control
0: and has also. His mother is Madam Gasket, who she runs uh, like a, a furnace, like air, some place called the Chop Shop.
1: That's all they see these other characters as. They're, they're scrap metal and they just need to be recycled, basically.
0: Yeah, and, and he's greedy and evil and he only wants to make money.
1: He, he doesn't see the other characters as fellow robots. He sees them as... Commodities that he can use to gain more financially.
0: I know, and he also despised Big Weld, who went into hiding years ago, and Rodney was teaming up with those outdated robots called Rusties to bring him back and restore the company's former glory.
1: And so ultimately, what is Ratchet's undoing? What... The,
0: those outmodes and the people of robots there to, to team up to stop him and his and his terrifying mother from getting rid of all spare parts for good and big weld also team up with big weld to stop him and his mother and eventually rodney becomes a hero and saves everybody and restores the company to its former glory to actually making and inventing things and not just things nobody really asked for
1: yeah so ultimately what what are some of the lessons that we can learn from ratchet's style of arrogance
0: just because you create something new doesn't mean an older thing like it should be should stop being made and i know the moral of that film who was rodney's idol big weld's model was you can shine no matter what you're made of
1: yeah i think that's the exact takeaway is that it doesn't really matter how sleek and shiny you might be on the outside it's
0: it's from your heart that you shine
1: exactly okay yeah so those are three different arrogant villains who i think teach us very good lessons in different ways about Why being arrogant's bad?
0: (laughs) It doesn't pay to be so arrogant or cocky. It pays to be humble and to care about others. And and being selfish affects others, too.
1: Very well put, Ezra. And I think on that note, let's, uh, let's wrap up this feature presentation. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your time. If you like what we do, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash animation and beyond. In the meantime, let's give you all a trivia question.
0: Who were originally going to be the villains of beauty and the beast before they were replaced of, with gaston
1: okay so if you know the answer give us a shout on facebook or send us an email at animation and at gmail.com
0: thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next episode of animation and beyond goodbye see you later